Stephanie Cortez, and as always, I'm joined by my absolutely wonderful co-host, Megan Griffin. Megan, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. You know. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like for the sake of the world, we need to date this. It is Sunday before the election. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It is. And, ah, God. I'm like flashing back to 2016 when I didn't listen to podcasts after the election and then went to go yep. catch back up and had to then hear them talk about their reaction. Yep. And was just like, I don't want to listen to this. So. Yep. 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 Um, yep. It's going to be. Yeah. Um, I am. Yeah. That sums it up. That, that yeah. sums, I think, all the feelings up pretty nicely. Yeah. See how yeah. we're feeling in a couple days. Right. We read something mm. so great to yeah. go with anyway. Fucking, I didn't even like put together how close it would be to the election. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. So close. Yes, we did. We chose well. Um, although <laughs> before we get into that, <laughs> yeah. uh, we each talked a little bit about the things that we were going to read or try to read in between that wasn't for JBC. And I believe you were on the, in, is it the invisible life or the secret life? The um, invisible life. Damn it. I was like, I feel like Secret Life, that, that was a show. <laughs> that was a TV show, yes. Secret yeah. Life of American Teenager. <sighs> so, how's the uh, invisible and- life of Addie LaRue? Hmm? So, okay. This is entirely a Megan thing. I uh, don't have the brain capacity to read much right now. Um, it's a combination of things. Uh, one being, of course, the election and COVID. Uh, and so I have read seven, 80 pages of this book. And it is wonderful. Like I stood in line to vote and read and it's great. I can't bring myself to read at home right now. And it is a lot. So I have not, like I actually, this is I think since we've started the podcast, the first time in between two weeks where I'm like, I haven't read a single book other than the book for the podcast. Mm -hmm. Yeah, And I don't know how to feel about that. It's okay. Forgive yourself. (laughs) I was also, how long have we been doing this? Uh, Two, I think the podcast started years? in 2017 year, 2017 <laughs> and you yeah. joined officially in 2018 so yep. yeah. so it's been two years and this yeah. is the first time that you've ever not read of the two of us doing two years and like yeah whereas I'm usually Fair. like oh yeah I did not <laughs> so <laughs> it happens uh, what did you read between episodes I read A Woman Is No Man by Ita from which was one of my, I think it was an add-on for one of my book of the month books. Okay. Uh, my stepmom had actually read it, I think, for a book club and said that it was really good. And I saw it on there. And I was like, you know what? Throw that on the pile. Or pile. It was just the two things that I got. Uh, <laughs> but it was really good. It was, um, so it's the story of an 18-year-old young woman named Dea. Um, she's being raised by her grandparents, her paternal grandparents. Her parents died in a car crash when she was... Uh, maybe 10 um but we get to see and it's just she's had like she has certain memories of her parents that are different from say her younger sister she has uh, four or she's got three sisters like her younger sister remembers her parents as happy day remembers them as not happy she remembers her dad hitting her mom um so her mom lived in palestine and basically, the, her dad's family lived there, too, but they left and came to America. But then they went back for him for to find Adam a wife, basically, and picked her okay. mom, Isra. Yeah. And then moved her to New York. So they live in Brooklyn. Um, 
And we get to see chapters from Dea's perspective of what's going on now, because now that she's 18 and a senior in high school, grandma said, it's time for you to get married. So we got to, you got to start meeting some suitors. Yeah. And then Mm -hmm. other chapters we get are from mom or Isra's point of view of her meeting Adam and her parents accepting his proposal and her getting married and their life in the U.S. Um, And then actually we do also start to get some chapters later on in the book from the paternal grand, uh, paternal grandmother's point of view, so Adam's mom's point of view. Okay. So it's really interesting. I really like that each chapter, if it was from some, when it was from a certain person's point of view, is all women. Um, and just their different views on things, the different things that we went through. But Dea starts to learn a little bit more about her parents, their deaths, her mom in particular, like more about her and what her life was like. And it was just, it was really, really great. So I would That's highly really recommend. Cool. Mm-hmm. I just added it to my book of the month list. There's, nice. They've added a new function where it's like a TBR list. So you can keep mm-hmm. track of books where you're like, oh, yeah, this sounds good. I maybe want to add this to a box when there's a month that I don't want all three bo- or three of the books. Because, <laughs> you know, that doesn't happen with me often. But whatever. <laughs> I know. My to be read shelf that I created under my TV is just growing. And I need to I like... Know. I feel like I need to start announcing two books that I'm reading, not for the podcast <laughs> or something, <laughs> or like, no, I like feel one that. and a half, like one, you know, yeah. like one I'm definitely going to finish and one I'm going to start, you know, before the next recording. Right, I don't yeah. know. We'll see. I I'm made the mistake yet. of, um, so I'm on Twilight TikTok of all things, like, which is <laughs> me, like all these Twilight things that cracks me up. And I found a podcast of these two people that read two chapters an episode. So I, I'm going through that just because it's so I love just listening to people talk about this <laughs> ridiculously s- stupid series. And so there's something like it is strangely weird, like how Twilight, a book series that I recognize is trash in a lot of ways, is something that I cling to and when I need mm-hmm. some kind of comfort, like um, coming up on the anniversary of my car accident mm. and when I had that and was in the hospital for a month, um, one of the things I did was read Twilight on my phone mm-hmm. um, because it was about all I had mentally to process. Yeah. And ever since then, I don't, I cannot explain. But <laughs> so instead of reading, this is what I've been listening to. Yeah. Um, I did start another book, though, that I'm really excited and I need to dive into it more. Um, it, the only thing is that the main character it essentially starts with her committing suicide, and I was mm. like, mm, "That's a lot." Mm-hmm. But it's the Midnight Library by Matt Haig, mm. um, and essentially, she it like starts I think two days before it's like two days before she's gonna kill herself or something like that, and it leads up to her being like, "I'm done, I'm out," and she steps in between life and death, and there's this library where you can go, or there's a librarian that's like, "What is? What do you feel is the biggest mistake you made?" Mm. and she says what she thinks it is. And she gets to live in a life where she made that decision. Oh. And if it works out for the benefit, eventually this, like, in-between world will fade to, like, a dream she kind of had. And so I started that because it's Carrie Mulligan, mm-hmm. um, who I have the biggest crush on in the world, <laughs> um, reads the audiobook, And I had left my headphones while hiking last weekend. And about halfway through my hike, I was like, fuck it. I'm going to, like, there are people walking around without masks. There's, you know, people talking. Like, I don't care anymore. If someone tells me I'm interrupting them with my damn audiobook, they can fuck off and turn (laughs) on my audiobook. And I haven't listened to it since. But that's what I started. And um, 
totally forgot about it. I did about three hours of it until this moment. Oh, that's really cool. So. Also, your pictures from your hikes have been amazing. <laughs> God, yes. Um, I went to Cloudland Canyon. This is so off topic, but if you are into <laughs> hiking or if you are in the South and you're like, oh, where can I find great foliage? I think we are now past that point, which was, mm. that was part of my thing. I was like, I have to go by this weekend. I knew the hurricane was coming and I know most things oh go away God. by November. And so I was like, this is the last day I kind of have. It is, um, it has two waterfalls, which I didn't do. I've done them in the past and I hate waterfall hikes because it's steps mm-hmm. it so much. So I did the, the rim. And um, it was super foggy. And I was like, oh, this is such a bad idea. But the foliage was great. And then eventually, like, the fog dissipated. And okay. I got some amazing uh, – I just love that place so much. Nice. Great nice. peace and calm. Did oh, good. Six and a quarter miles. It was great. Oh, my God. That's amazing. <laughs> Thank you. Awesome. Good for you. Thanks. Well, Forgot hopefully- that was recent. Good God. This past week has been, like, ten years. Yeah, some weeks, it's very weird that some weeks feel like that, like, and others feel super sped up. Yes. But then at the same time, I feel like October went by really fast, so. Same, same. We just had the blue moon. I'm hoping, I'm hoping, listening to all my more witchy friends and people I follow talking about, like, how important this blue moon is. Mm -hmm. Fingers crossed. (sighs) Just trying to be positive. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Be positive. So, for the podcast, um, we said we were going to read a collection of essays. Um, wait, that was what that is what we said, right? Yes. Yeah. This but, kind of, I guess, mesh. I feel like most essay books, though, are in this day and age, have some memoir bits. Yeah, I feel like this wasn't really a collection of essays so much as one like continuous type of thing. Um, That's true. Like, after we've recorded last time, we were kind of questioning it, but then we were like, you know what? Fuck it. It's 2020. This is an important read. We are doing it. Yes. Even if it doesn't fully fit into our challenge list and spoilers, I don't know how much of the rest of the year is going to fit into our <laughs> remaining challenges. <laughs> yeah. I think this is probably one of the last ones that we're going to fit into the challenge. I think we're yeah. uh, going to read stuff we love that are things that bring authors of color. I, I mean, I know at least two of the books we have picked out for the rest of this year are mm-hmm authors of color yeah Um, oh my god i'm so excited for both of them actually (laughs) same same it's gonna be great yes i do Um, think this fits i think that i think you're right i think it is one and large essay in some ways i really really like how it reads though mm -hmm. yes yeah so so what we read was how to be an anti-racist by dr ibram x kendi um this book was written in totally meant to check the year beforehand was it 2019 2019 um but it's i feel it's going to be relevant for a very long time uh, yes. i actually you said you did the audiobook i did do the audiobook so when um <sighs> everything kind of fell apart back in what was that april may i don't remember march um, <laughs> march yeah well no it's more of um I'm totally blanking on even what state it was. It was George. May. Yeah. I believe with George Um, Floyd and Sparking. Floyd. Thank you. I was like, it's not Foreman and it's not Washington. What the fuck, Meg? Um, I have been listening to Hamilton so I could see why Washington's (laughs) on brain. Oh, man. That is my George Washington to the end. I haven't rewatched that since George and I watched my George and I watched it in September when it first 
Was that September? July. 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 Oh, my God. <laughs> I keep using this, uh, and it's so, because it fits every single time, but there, you watch Brooklyn Nine-Nine. No. Part, I haven't watched the whole thing. Yeah. You should. It's wonderful. Um, there's definitely a moment where Jake goes, mark the day, uh, May, I think he's like May 15th. And Gina goes, oh, honey, we are well into October. <laughs> that has been, like, the most mood I've had. Yeah. Yeah, really since this began. I pretty yes. much know if it's a weekend or a weekday by yes. if I worked or am working or not. Yes. And even so. then I sometimes wake up and I'm like, oh, God. Yeah. And then my company um, shuts down in December, so I won't have work towards the end. So I won't know what's going on until I go back to work at the end of December. That's fine. <laughs> I'm fine with it. Um, so I ended up getting this book as like, there was like a list of things to read to kind of get more familiar and everything. And I feel like that it, it, it's always a breaking point, but this was such a breaking point. Mm-hmm. And I, um, for health reasons, couldn't get out in March, couldn't mm-hmm. get out and help in other ways um, outside of donating and educating myself. Um, so this, I think I also have... Um, the white fragility one I have cast. Mm-hmm. Um, there's another one I have that I'm totally blanking on as I look. Um, Eloquent rage is the other one. Mm-hmm. Um, I have that one on audio by same. What, is it and... Beverly? No, Morgan Jenkins. Brittany Cooper. Good lord! Wait, what is Morgan Jenkins? I don't know. Mm-hmm. But I feel like this book in particular it was like if you bought it through so i bought it through libro um on audiobook and they were like hey since you bought this we are also give like letting you gift it to someone um so i did that as well nice yeah okay um morgan jenkins wrote this will be my undoing living at the intersection of black female and feminist in white america which is another book that i want that's yes okay um I got this book, How to Be an Anti-Racist, from my job, actually. So oh, cool. my job, like, I mean, we've been working from home since March. So we were working from home, obviously, when all of this happened or, you know, like when, it, when everything kind of sparked off in May. And like they didn't try to pretend it wasn't happening, you know, which I thought right. was helpful. They've had um, some town halls about they've, they've started like a, a diversity, um, inclusion and belonging um, like team like in our department and then there's a larger one for the company as a whole um, so one of the things that they that our CEO did was um, she offered this book to anyone who wanted it we will send it to you for free so I was like absolutely cool. please yeah yeah I also really like that the CEO is a woman of color too it was a white I man that. and he, yeah and it, uh, he was the CEO when I started and I, there was a very long transition as you can imagine it would need to be um, so now uh, Reshma is our fearless leader so i also really like that that's a woman of color but they sent it out to people i i do know a couple people who got it i didn't like ask everyone because it was um there was no like reply all to this you like signed up through a profile thing thank god because you know how people like to reply all on emails yes Um, i do but yeah so i got that through my job which i thought was really cool of them okay Um, so, so i'd actually i'd started it before we decided to do it for the podcast and this helped me finish it so yeah, it's yeah. definitely like this collection of books that any other year I would be incredibly gung ho and like reading and note taking and highlighting and all these other things. Um, 
I mean, like, I woke up, me and my roommate both woke up this morning and we're like, we are so low energy. Like, I had a list of things to do and I looked at a puzzle and opened the box and then we puzzled for two hours. Nice. Because it was like, like that. we just, we knew we had stuff we had to get done, but mm-hmm. there's such a level of anxiety and just mm-hmm. like exhaustion that we were like, you know mm-hmm. what? This helps us feel like we're accomplishing something a little bit more. Right. Sometimes you need those little wins and it's fun. Yes. I love puzzles. <laughs> I'm getting back into them. They're such a delight. Yes. Yes. I need to get some more puzzles. Um, I've got two Zelda ones that George and I have already nice. done, but then all the rest of mine are Harry Potter related and I do like, oh, yeah. don't want to do them. So, yeah. That's, that's yeah. 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 So, this book, yeah, it definitely to me felt like kind of one essay i really liked the way that it was broken up where each chapter starts with the definitions of the things that he's going to be talking about and then really builds upon them and also the memoir bits where it wasn't just straight um like text the 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 personal touches made this feel very real and i think really drove home that everyone including black people all people of color everyone has to actually work hard at being anti-racist that yes. just because you're a person of color doesn't automatically make you one i really like that too i feel like um that helps there's a lot about this book that i feel like i could give it to people who otherwise i would be like mm, nope you're going to read one line and be like i'm out right but instead, I'm like, I think that the way that this is framed is very much like this is a journey. You, It's not mm-hmm. a point where you're going to be like, and I'm done. I've done it. I've hit it. We're good. We're set. It is mm-hmm. going to be a constant re-education. Yes. And, and like he... reevaluating. Right. Right. Because racist versus anti-racist, they're not permanent labels of someone. Right. They're kind of like name tags that come on and off, you know? Yes. Um, and plus, I think like, him starting right off with with his own experience, the first chapter is my racist introduction. So that's, that's our introduction. But that's what it's called is my racist introduction. And he talks about being a teenager and for the Prince William County Martin Luther King Jr. Oratorial Contest. He had to answer the question of what would Dr. King's message be for the millennium? And his speech really it, it centered around black people thinking it's okay to be the most feared and to have these high pregnancy rates and why are we only going for careers in music and sports and that because that was the message that he was getting as a young black man that these are the things that black people are doing and we need to stop this or they need to stop it depending on who is saying that and he looks back on that now and really cringes really cringes at just spitting all of that out that that like word vomit out um <laughs> but i think it was a really great way to start the book a very honest way yeah to start the book that this is not i'm attacking you the reader i'm gonna put out exactly. there what my journey has been yeah exactly and it's not just like a, a like i mean through literally throughout up until i mean even the last chapter it's all about like i've grown here and then suddenly i fell here Mm-hmm. And recognizing that, yeah, um, which is great. Like <laughs> we, I looked up his age right before this for uh, mm-hmm. a couple of reasons. Dude's thirty eight. Like, yeah. 
I easily could have. Uh, there were some aspects of it that I was like, you're definitely younger than someone who should be like the way that he writes. I'm like, you're so detailed and educated. And and it just feels to me like this would be someone so much older. There's no way that someone who's so close in our age mm-hmm. can eloquently put all this together. It's just phenomenal. I love it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see. I'm trying to think of like the best. So to me, the book, it felt it just it brought back all of my women's studies classes from college, <laughs> which I loved. I started college as an English major, changed to psychology, and then doubled in women's studies because I was like, I keep taking these classes. I got to keep going. Yeah. I should have I stayed an English major. <laughs> major. <laughs> I just, it just, as you started that, I was like, I don't think I actually know what your degree is in, but yeah. I did know psychology. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Because I swore, I actually uh, talked to Case about this during our interview uh, for the, for the network, which more about that to come in a yes. future episode when that is out. Um, <laughs> but I signed up as an English major because I loved English class. That was my, str- sure. always my favorite and strongest classes. And I changed to psychology because I swore I wanted to be a therapist. And then I did one year of grad school and was like, oh, I don't want to do this. <laughs> so I stopped. Completely understandable. So in retrospect, but it's so hard when you're between, I was 17 when I started college. So like between the age of 17 and I guess 19 to really make sure you have those last two years to work on your major, right. to try to decide like what you want to do for the rest of your life. That's a huge ask. It really I will is. maintain that forever. It's yeah. so hard. Yeah, um, I went in as a psych major, quickly changed to mathematics, um, and then realized that there was no path in mathematics that I could, like, escape statistics. Oh, God, statistics. So realized I was not skipping my English classes and switched to being an English major. Oh, should have totally stayed an English major like you. <laughs> like your end result. <laughs> because those um, are my fa- some of my favorite classes. Major British yeah. authors, Canterbury Tales. Loved All it. Always great. Yeah. What I really, really liked that he talked about occasionally in this um, that I could super relate to was, like, uh, world studies and things like that. Mm-hmm. Like, I took world lit, mm-hmm. and even my world lit, because I think I had to take of the 1700s, 1800s, and 1900s. No. Yeah. Yeah. So 18th century, 19th century, 20th century. And um, I thought I was super progressive because I took Eastern European literature for 20th century because it was so new and it was something that we weren't really offered. Um, But that's still European history Mm. or European literature. And we did have um, African studies and African literature classes. Like you could take that in world lit. um, His cancel, like his skipping um, schedule or like policy or whatever was so strict I just couldn't, but I still have all those books. Yeah. So I definitely like was like, I'm going to do this. And then it was like, if you skip two classes, you start losing half letter grade. And then I mm-hmm. had like food poisoning a week later and was like, well, oh. <laughs> got to drop the class. So, <laughs> um, but it was still like, everything was still very Europe based and, uh, Christianity, Christianity central. Mm-hmm. Because um, I, yeah. I took a scripture class that was yeah. essentially oh. learning the Bible as a fictional uh, Interesting. study. So, yeah. yeah. Cool. I, uh, I know I mentioned this right before we started recording, but I always hated history class in high school <laughs> because I personally, I felt like I the only time I learned about people that look like 
that looked like half my family, the black side of my family. It was when they were when it was during slavery, and then during right. the civil rights movement, just about Martin Luther King Jr. Which yes, very important. But I also knew vaguely of the Black Panthers and Malcolm X. I'm like, there's other message. There was other ways and other strategies and things that were being done that we're not talking about in school. And I don't like this, and I hate it. And I right. hate so I hated history. <laughs> so especially because I feel like, and maybe this is um, I don't know if this is a Southern thing or if this is a I didn't understand my history class as well, or in all likelihood, some level of both. But the Black Panthers are mm-hmm. um, villainized in a lot of ways. Oh, I yeah. And how it's taught. And um, I haven't done a ton of research into it recently, but like have started reading more and more. And like the things that we are like, act like that they, we should be thanking them for is it's just eye opening. Mm hmm. Yeah. And the reason I really liked my women's studies classes was because that's part the with the ones I chose, that's where I was getting more of that history. Oh, that's so, so cool. Yeah. So like when he was talking about Audre Lorde and Bell Hooks and Angela Davis and Asada Shakur, I was like, oh, I know like this is that those are the classes where I got to read those things. And that got me interested in more of that history. Although I still feel like I don't have a great grasp of history in general and I would like to change that. But it's also like, well, where the hell do I start? <laughs> so Sure. Sure. That's, that's for another time. Um, <laughs> but it def- I definitely loved those references and he, like those names, those authors. So I might just like randomly pick some books from his uh, notes section of the things that he talked about and just get something from them, like get a, get a work by them or something. Does his, is it like a book club kit in the back? I don't, let me see. Because I, I went to the website really quick to, kind of, or I did this earlier to kind of, look around and I mean it's just something I do with every book and they have a book club kit um, and before recording I basically only looked at the first page which had um, a list of discussion questions mm-hmm. but there is a reading list an Ooh. anti-racist reading list and then go there. Um, I will send you the link really quick thanks thank you yes that so the back of the book his notes section it's divided by chapter and it just cites everything that he references in that chapter I see. okay like which work which person you know um so i was gonna kind of like flip through there and go go from there but that sounds like it'll be much easier <laughs> much yeah easier this is starting this is point. organized this is organized by like if you want to break it down based on there's biology ethnicity body culture behavior color whiteness mm. Um, blackness, class, spaces, gender. Yes, all the sexuality. And then there's also a another list um, that like to help with these definitions. Nice. If you are white and feeling on edge already, then read Robin D'Angelo's White Fragility. <laughs> if you're a person of color and think this syllabus isn't for you, then read James Foreman's Locking Up Your Own. Our own. Nice. Thank you. I'm yeah. definitely going to take a look at that. Yeah, I'm going to link it in the show notes because I'm sure there's someone else being like, hey, hey, I want that. Yeah, yeah um, definitely. Yeah. Um, but I also, so one of the things that really jumped out at me while reading it, because the chapters go on and talk about like ethnic racism, bodily racism, colorism, um, like behavioral race. I can't remember if I said behavioral racism, but to me, it felt very... Like, um, I think it was Audre Lorde who said something like, I'm not free while any woman is unfree, even if their, like, burden is, it's different from mine. Um, So just talking about, like, intersectionality, 
So I loved that this work talked about that and talked about yeah. um, like he talks about when he goes to Temple, I think for grad school, that he showed up as a racist, sexist, homophobe. And that, again, very honest on his part, really putting it out there and how he basically unlearned those things or was is unlearning those things, you know. Yeah. Um, I really appreciated the breakdown, especially in consider like in times on of like how our country has progressed in racism mm-hmm. and from the standpoint of like a lot of people go, we are no longer like biologically racist. Like we have come to realize that we are all the same under our skin or whatever. And thus racism, we're not racist anymore. Like, I feel like that is a direct correlation. Like reading this, yeah. I was like, I can see where people are going. We have disproven this. Thus, I can no longer be considered racist. And he's like, no, 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 no. Mm-hmm. Here has how um, racism's progressed since then. Right. Um, and we are what? And culturally racist? Or I think that's where we're at. It was, yeah. Because like, yeah. I mean, really, some fall into all categories. <laughs> but True. Like, yes. <laughs> yes. It was there are still much, shit people. Yes. It was very much like, though, like he mentions this. Where when because we had a black president because of Obama, it was like, oh, this post-racial America, we don't see color anymore. Like America has gotten past the racism problem. It's like, no, 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 we didn't. Yeah. <laughs> like That's not how that works at all. Because why is it that um, like the black unemployment rate, it's like, what did he say? It was like twice as high as the white unemployment rate for the last like 50 years. Yes. So there's clearly still work to be done. The wage gap, um, I think it's the largest that it's been in 40 years between blacks and whites. And just, <sighs> no, we are not done We're with nowhere near. <laughs> race. It's it's just it's just gotten more hidden, basically. Yeah, it's yeah. it's gotten more. It's like, well, the way that they disprove <laughs> it means that they have to be like, fuck, how can we change this up? Yeah, it's like so hidden, but still... not hidden. Yes, because because of Trump's America. Well, um, yeah, that's very, yeah. <sighs> it's, it's like so. Yes, there's not slavery anymore, and yes, they desegregated schools. But the policies that went into place, like it, it's just it just became sneakier with politics. Really, really enjoy the where he's talking about desegregating schools, mm-hmm. and that he was like Martin Luther King junior secretly was opposed to desegregating schools and i like sitting here doing puzzle it's like what it's <laughs> like me or audiobook it's like audiobook and, and then he was like it was uh martin luther king jr's nightmare i was like oh great love this love this analogy um but it makes sense where um because at first i was like what the what but his reasoning behind it is that when you have these white people who look down on these little black kids and they're teaching them like that's not going to be better right like value in seeing someone in a position of like leadership or authority that looks like you like that's been a topic at my job lately because they actually during one of our meetings a few weeks ago they gave us the demographic breakdown um, of our department of like men and women 
and then ethnically and racially diverse versus not. And then also that in leadership. And it's like, it's something that I've always paid attention to as a person of color. So like, I see it, I know it. I was super excited um, when I first got out of training last year and I was the, the team I was assigned to, the manager was a woman of color. So I was like, yes, <laughs> that's <laughs> awesome. Um, but she's on maternity leave now. She has the cutest little baby. And when she comes back from maternity leave, she got a position in a different department. So she's not going to be my manager anymore. So my new manager is a white woman. And she's great. Like, I had to help train her. (laughs) So I can personally say from that that she's great in other interactions. Like, I think she's going to be a great fit for our team. Um, But getting the email about the, like, the announcement of her and then someone else moving up um, in the department was like, so now we're all we're doing or what they're doing is it's increasing the amount of people in leadership that don't look like me. Cause I was trying to, I was talking to George and I was trying to explain how many people of color there are in the leadership above me, like right above me, the next level. Right. And I was only coming up with one and I was like, am I forgetting someone? I don't know that I am. It's also this problem of I'm not in the office, but I'm trying to like picture the different That's, teams. Yes. yes. I don't know that I'm missing anyone. So that would That's mean that before true. this change, it was only two, him and my boss, or my former boss. So anyway, <laughs> all that to say, there's definitely something to be said for a kid having a black teacher, who a black kid having yes. a black teacher, getting to see them in that role, you know, being like, maybe I can do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. I guess, like, my big realization this year or, like, the thing that I – was new, I guess, about racism, which is such a fucked up thing to say, um, was a discussion of standardized testing, which Mm. is touched on in this book, Mm -hmm. which is something that I had heard fairly recently, we'll say within the last six months, because who fucking knows, that, but is this thing of like, I don't, I don't do standardized testing well, so I've never really put much thought into like, even though I don't do it well, how much help I've had with it kind Mm -hmm. of thing. Um, because I never took extra classes or anything like that, but like how much like being in a more upper middle class, you know, school district and things like that, like just how much more it was focused on or things like that. And understanding this test as like being inherently built to suppress and that whole discussion. And and essentially it's kind of him when he kind of realizes I'm not an idiot. Yeah. Because, like, for him, school was all about sports because that's kind of how school taught him to be. And at some point he realized, no, I'm actually incredibly intelligent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And these tests, I just, it's, I don't know. <laughs> I can't quite articulate where I'm coming from. I'm just like, I'm still processing this. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that the SAT, so... That it was created by Carl C. Brigham, Mm -hmm. and he believed that it would reveal the natural intellectual ability of white people. I didn't realize that that was basically the point of it, that it was, like, eugenics. Like, we want to prove. It's eugenics. Yeah. (laughs) I didn't realize that's where it came from. Um, I definitely knew the problem of of standardized testing and stuff like that, but I didn't realize that that's literally how it started. Now I'm curious about the ACT, because, like, the SAT. I'm proud about that. Um, so for me, it was given, everybody took the SAT, right. but for my parents in Arkansas, and actually, I guess if I had stayed in Arkansas, 
only the top 10% of the school took the SATs or something like that. It was weird. What? Yeah, because, like, my mother took the SATs, but my mother also graduated, I think, ninth in class. So it makes sense. Nice. The eight, what were the ACTs? The ACTs is, like, just another standardized test. It's the American right. College testing. I did take um, Did I take that? I think I took that. I have no I idea. <laughs> took it because I wanted to know how my score compared to my parents. Mm, like, that's okay. literally. I already had my SAT scores. Yeah. Um, and because there was no emphasis on it, my ACT scores are actually pretty good. Okay. Um, it came around in November 1959, University of Iowa, Everett Franklin Linquist as a competitor to the SATs. Let's see how terrible this person is. Oh, he created a lot of standardized testing. All right. I already don't like him. <laughs> and did a lot of stats. Okay. Uh. Ugh. I don't remember. I feel like I did take it, but don't remember the ACT. I probably it's did. It's like essentially a number between 1 and 36. Oh, I, I have no idea. Helps. Nope. Yeah. No, I don't know if no I was idea. like, maybe that helps. I don't even remember what I got on the SATs. <laughs> no idea. All I remember is that my SATs, I was the first class that had to do the writing portion. Okay. And we were all like, we don't have a fucking clue what that means. Ugh. I was the first class in, in Massachusetts where they had to pass the MCAS in high school to graduate. Oof. A standardized statewide Massachusetts comp- I actually don't know what it stands for, but 2003, we were the first class to have to, and it was only English and math. And I want to say as time went on, they added more subjects. And I was like, that sucks. And then yeah. on, so that was in t- was that 10th grade. That feels really early to take the damn MCAS, but that seems right because I remember you could retake it like the year later if you didn't pass. Ugh, I know we had graduation testing. testing. I know we had it done. I, I've always thought standardized testing is bullshit and is one yeah. of the problems with our education system mm-hmm. um, because I have a ton of friends that are teachers. And yeah, I mean, I also think there's a lot of problems with how much emphasis we put on going to college, but yeah. Especially so early. See, again, picking that, making yes. that decision at 19 of what you want to do for the rest of your life with this major, with this degree. Yeah, there's, um, like, I don't think that the pandemic has been enough to influence this, but there's, a, I have a hope that, like, because of the pandemic, a lot of kids are going to, are taking a gap year or considering a gap year. Um or maybe also even realizing that, like, there are careers outside of college-based stuff. Or, mm-hmm. I don't know. Basically, I'm just hoping – I was hoping that the pandemic would cause some shakeup there. I don't think it has. But, man, it would be so nice. Someone told me – I'm looking to see if this is right. I thought someone told me – it might have been the parent of one of my patients – that some colleges were waiving ACT, SAT scores, like requirements because of COVID. Does that sound like anything you've heard? Yes, because they couldn't do, yeah, it was something, something. Yeah. So I wonder if that'll keep up post-COVID. Like maybe will colleges see we don't actually need this. Let's look at the grades. Let's look at the, the the, what is it, the essays, the application essay and stuff like that instead. I'm curious to see what happens with that. Same. Oh, when we were talking about um, 
the desegregating of the schools and everything like that and how the kids were the black kids were mostly taught by white teachers I really liked his personal story of when he was going into third grade and his parents brought him to the school to meet his possible teacher and she was a black woman and he pops up with a question that I don't know I would expect from a third grader which is are you the only black teacher and when she said yes he asked well why and then she said she didn't know. I'm like, well, why don't you know? <laughs> like to get, the, I don't remember how old you are in third grade, but my goodness to be, I mean, that's roughly eight, nine, I yeah. think nine, 10, maybe it's, I could understand it if like all of his schools before had been primarily black and, and based on his neighborhood, I wouldn't actually be surprised. Um, but he was seeing what pictures in the hallway and stuff of other teachers yeah. and they were all white. So he, yes. that made him ask that question. It's like, we we know when we're the only person of color in the room. Like, right. we know this. You pick up right. on these things. <sighs> but at such a young age, like, it makes sense. And it, it totally makes sense. I, fortun- I grew up in Springfield. I went to school in Springfield and um, was definitely of the majority from, like, of, right. like, the, the demographic breakdown. Um, I did have a lot of white teachers, though. And a lot of women. Yeah. I was trying to... I actually didn't put much thought into it, but um, how many black teachers I've had prior to college? <laughs> it's not It's not enough, right. for sure. Right. The fourth grade teachers were black, white, white. One black teacher in eighth grade. Of the few that I had there. Yeah. Now I'm yeah, trying to like I, run through I high school. I've, yeah. I had maybe two. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus. Yep. <sighs> yeah. Um, the other discussion that really, really stood out to me was this like you cannot be anti-racist until you stop trying to find the quintessential black experience, I guess is the best way to put it. Mm -hmm. Um, Cause like the whole, the the discussion is that um, a lot of issues, especially in America is that blacks have been penned against blacks. Like Mm -hmm. that they, you know, they are the problem, whichever side you want to look at. Yep. And that it's like, at least I'm not that kind of person and things like that. And that is incredibly wrong and problematic. But not only that, he then goes on to like talk about how he essentially moved into a ghetto to have that more perfect or quintessential Mm -hmm. black experience, like to reset himself, to educate himself. And then he talks about it as like a different kind of gentrification. And I I just really enjoyed this conversation um, or this discussion of you know where that line is between I want to experience some different culture to make sure that I am not one-sided one view versus I feel like I'm better than someone but I kind Mm -hmm. of also need that experience to bring myself up I don't know it was so good Mm -hmm. yeah I like that he talked about that, that like the ethnic racism, like pitting them against each other, because that also helps like divide 
those that the policies are oppressing so that they like won't yeah. necessarily band together to fuck up and stop those policies. Um, he has that story about, oh God, it was a student of his from Ghana or yeah, from Ghana, I think, where he basically stands up in class and delivers a monologue about how African-Americans are lazy and just dependent on welfare. All of those stereotypes that African-Americans are um, subjected to. And so after class, when they're talking, he just has a conversation with the kid. He doesn't like yell at him. He asks him about the racist ideas that the British have about Ghanaians. Um, and then asks like the, the, the question he knows the answer to be like, well, are the British superior to Ghanaians? No. Okay. So do you defend your people when African-Americans make those racist, like repeat the, the racist British ideas? Yes. Okay. So your ideas of African-Americans, where did you get them from? Oh, your family. Okay. Well, where did you, where do you think your fellow Ghanaians got them from? Probably white Americans. And then the kid was just like, okay, I got it. Like he gets it now. Yeah. Like yeah. having the conversation. Like, I think he genuinely did reach that kid. And I'm hoping that kid then went on to um, reach others who just all felt yeah. that, you know, the African-Americans kind of are lazy. Yeah. Like restructure your thinking. Like let's really examine why we're thinking this way. Yeah. And I feel like that's kind of the whole point of this book. It's not, I mean, there is an entire, like he talks about the election of 2000, which oh, I was, <laughs> I remember there being drama, but again, Southern Republican family, like I just was like, whatever Democrats are dumb. Um, and have dived into it more and more over the mm-hmm. years to be like, oh, voter suppression and gerrymandering and oh, there's a lot of fucking wrong things in our country. Mm-hmm. Um, and it led him to really hate white people. Mm-hmm. And that is something that needs to be discussed. Like you can't I feel like you cannot go through this process of understanding your country and and what's going on and not have a moment where you're like hating the opposite side mm-hmm. and that it, it is something that is necessary in like that entire discussion um and kind of how he came back to realizing that it's it's not necessarily people it's policy it's a lot but it's essentially sorry i like that is a long turn to get to the point i was trying to make where it's like this entire book is just about retraining your thoughts yes when he brought up the election, I was almost 15 at the time of that election. And I remember George and I were just talking about this, about getting sort of like a, a sanitized version since we weren't old enough to yes. vote. But like knowing like some stuff was going on and there was some drama. And what do you mean Bushes went like what? Like and see, for me, it was presented as like, oh, they can't accept that they lost. And so now they're having to recount. And like, nope. that's how I remember it. And. It came up recently because I made a comment to my mother about how I, I don't agree with the Electoral College. I, I, mm-hmm. I honestly don't. Like, the more and more I learn about it and study it and, and understand it, the less and less I agree with it. And her flipping out and being like, what do you mean, like, California and New York should decide, you know, our country's fate and everything. And me being like, I didn't say that. But you can't look at our country and look at our forefathers and say our forefathers went, yep, I think at some point there's going to be 333 million people in this country and this is how we're going to do it. Right. I was like, you can't convince me. There's literally nothing unless like one of them had to have a soothsayer. Right. Like there's absolutely no way. 
And no other country does it this way. Right. And there's, you know, a lot of things that the forefathers did not think through, which is why there have been these little things called fucking amendments. (laughs) Like, come on. Yes. (laughs) But like him being in Florida at that time and being older and just in having friends and friends whose families their their votes were thrown out their votes votes were said that they weren't valid like oh or God, weren't so able bad. to vote it, it, that it just i that felt very very like very yeah. um time time very timely for what's going on right now yeah. but also like thinking back to bush and that whole thing and being like bush was simpler times than what we have right I now know, and yet it wasn't was it right um but yeah also, the whole oh go ahead Oh, sorry. Just like no. my whole stance on 2016 was like that if the Republicans put forth Jeb Bush, like that I would be okay with that. Because to me, Jeb Bush is so fucking milk toast that like there was no way he was going to get anything done because he's such a fucking pushover. Mm-hmm. And then reading this and realizing how much I don't know about Jeb Bush. Yeah. <sighs> and then Ted Cruz being involved and helping also. So I was like, what? He's these fucking like a twenty-something-year-old. <laughs> yes. I know that are still around. Oh. Right, you did not get better with age. You didn't. No. God. You... Okay, that's let's not go down yeah. that road. <laughs> and then Ohio. Oh, like I just, yeah. I I bought hair dye, and I've been debating if I want to wait until after the election because I don't know how many more grays are going to come yeah. in the next week uh, to finally touch up my color or not. I don't know. Doing stuff to your hair is therapeutic. Cutting mine yesterday was very, like, I mean, I, my ends needed it. But, like, <laughs> I'm, like, honestly, I had the moment of, do I ever need to go get my hair cut again? I'm save some money here. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> she's got another video about how she trims her hair. This was, like, cutting. But, like, she's got, like, trimming. Oh, I was yeah. like, oh, now that I think I've got, I'm getting towards the shape I want. We'll see. But <laughs> I support maybe waiting until after because you may need something to distract yes. yourself. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um. um. But yes, the, the, that idea of like the white devil, like yeah. his theory in college that white people were actually aliens. And that was so oh my why God. they were so intent on white supremacy. I was just like, I felt like his roommate or his friend that he was talking to at the time was like, you serious right now? <laughs> yes, I, I appreciated like I appreciated the insanity of his commentary. That may be ableist. Um, I appreciate the out there-ness of it. Mm-hmm. Like, I just appreciate how getting to that level of conspiracy theory like as someone who Mm -hmm. has been there before with Mm -hmm. frustrations and everything and thankfully having someone in his life to be like humans can't mate with animals black people and white people can mate and have babies and him being like well i got a theory about that it's like okay oh god yeah hear yourself let's just stop for a moment let's take a step back (laughs) yeah but I feel like I, I do appreciate his honesty because I think it's very common. Um, you There's just there can be a point where you just hit a wall. Where you're just like white people fucking suck. I'm so sick of them. I hate all of them. <laughs> like it can get to that point. But like you definitely have to bring yourself back from that because there's there's more to it than that. It's not all of them. And it's <sighs> there's a lot. There's a lot that need, there's a lot of work that everyone needs to do, not just white people everyone needs to do to work towards an anti-racist future. Yeah, I'm all for restructuring our country. Like, I guess there is a level of people that identify as Republican that I've talked to in the past few months, um, being back in the South, where, like, 
they look at what's going on and they're going, something's broke. Because mm-hmm. there is the level of Republican that is like, our country is always right, die or right or die. And uh, you can't tell me. And it's like, no, no, our country's never been that way. Our forefathers are actually turning over in their graves as you say that. Like they're hopping around on hot stones in hell. as they're like, no, you fucking idiots. You didn't listen. <laughs> but there is a level of Republican that's like, something's wrong. And I don't agree with where my party's going, but I certainly am nowhere near ready to make the jump to the other side. We need to do something. And those are the people that I enjoy talking to. Mm-hmm. Because we don't agree on most things, mm-hmm. of course. But they're at least willing to talk. Yes. And they are saving my sanity in Good. some ways. Yeah. So I want to talk about the OJ stuff. Oof. <laughs> Which is OJ stuff. Yeah. Um, fascinating way mm. of discussing OJ. Yeah. So I think I was in fourth grade at the time. I have, or fifth grade, maybe fifth grade. Okay. Was, yeah, fifth grade. I have a memory of it being announced over the loudspeaker at school. Really? And again, yes. And again, I went to school with a lot of black kids, a lot of Puerto Rican or Latinx, mostly Puerto Rican um, kids and them cheering. And I remember just being very confused okay. because I was like, well, my mom said that he did it. And, you know, I'm in fifth grade. Mom, what mom says, mom's always right. And also she was right in this case. Right. <laughs> like she totally was. Oh, yeah. And I was just like, I was so confused. I was like, well, my mom said that he did it because I remember she was watching that court case. Like she said that he did it. And my understanding is you're supposed to go to jail if you did the bad thing. So yes. what? <laughs> it was very, very confused. And I do remember the uh, the white teacher looking probably like the teacher that he mentioned. Yes. <laughs> um, being just, I just remember being very very confused that was my my reaction of the day was being very confused and um not understanding until later like being older the why that i do think some people thought that he really didn't do it um i mean i i yeah the way that the world is you can't convince me that there's not right but just um and i think others like they saw it as sort of like a a modern day lynching, like you're taking a success, like he was a he was a football player, he was an actor, like mm-hmm. one of the like well, good. I'm using air quotes, people can't see me, yeah. but using air quotes <laughs> of saying a good, a successful, you know, successful, we'll say, successful black man, um, and trying to put him in jail for this, and being happy that that didn't work, and then others then being happy of the like, well, the legal system has fucked us over many times, and now it's fucking you over because you're not getting justice, which is really like. I can't imagine the devastation that those families felt when the when the verdict was read. Yeah, it is the fact that this happened twenty something years ago, and it is still something that, in some ways, feels fresh when discussed. And yeah, when he starts talking about cheering, I was like, "What do you mean?" Because yeah, it's entirely always been that like this man got off. Mm -hmm. Um, It's also really never clicked to me that I guess kudos for people in my life that this has never been used as like a well OJ got off like we can't be super corrupt because look this black man got Mm. off Mm -hmm. so like yeah super kudos to people in my life for not using that argument in front of me Uh, and to be fair like he he in the story he is like OJ is guilty Um, yeah because he fucking was yeah but (laughs) It is fascinating to 
have those mixed feelings of incredible excitement that like in some ways it's like that you know as a group you won but also mm, our country's so fucked Mm -hmm. (laughs) yes that's that's like yeah that's a good summary of it um which i enjoyed there is a point of discussion where i he asked i think it was a professor um oh it was something along the lines of does america need racism or can america exist without racism and i remember Mm. repeating it immediately to my roommate and they were like what the fuck are you saying (laughs) and the point is is that america is so built on it can you break it down to a point can you break capitalism down to a point where it is not hurting a group of people any groups of people yes like can we can we and what are you left with yeah i think the oj case will always be oh yeah this like just because it was also fascinating the way it like captivated the country because i remember my mom watching the court yeah. like the hearing like the, the the trial and everything and just that damn bronco chase like oh i oh god i don't even remember what year it was but i think you're two oh, years 90, older than me i think it was 94 yeah so i i i mean i remember but i think what i remember is hearing about it later mm. um and it it is fascinating because it's like what makes it so like I mean people kill people is it because it's a rich black guy I mean what about it they killed it was a white woman right and like, and her friend so and a oh white and man. her friend yeah Ron Goldman Nicole Brown Simpson and Ron Goldman. It was June of 1994. Okay. That they were. Um, so it was likely 95 oh, that the court case was going on. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 94 was the thing. Let's see. I don't remember when the verdict was announced. And I just like there's. Yep. 95. October of 95 is when he was acquitted. There's not a ton of court cases that have happened since that I could point to with the same level of, if you say their name, I'm going to recognize exactly what court case you're talking about and the level of guilty. The other one being, um, I was about to say Brett Kavanaugh, but that's not his name. Uh, It's mini Brett Kavanaugh. What the fuck is his name? Brock Turner? Yeah, Brock Turner. (laughs) You knew exactly who I was talking about. What's great is that I knew what piece of trash you were talking about. (laughs) But even, he talks about briefly... Um, in relation to, like, how terrible white women can be. Um, The woman who drowned her three kids, and I'm totally blanking, Casey. It'll hit me in a second. Casey Anthony? Casey Anthony. I thought she just had one kid that she killed. Was it just one? I thought it was three. See, that's the thing. But that's the thing. I don't... Right. There's multiple stories. It's not even that. It's just that, like, he mentioned her, and I'm like... Isn't that the one that got murdered by her husband, too? Like, I couldn't remember who she was at first. 
there are so few people that are as reckonab- recognizable as O.J. Simpson. Yeah. Casey Marie Anthony. Casey Anthony killed her daughter. Well, allegedly killed her daughter, Kaylee Anthony, in 2008. That's when she reported the little girl missing. Um, she lied to detectives. Like, she was charged. And... I feel like earlier this year there was a couple who's, like kids had gone missing and like are very clearly dead that like then dropped off the radar and it's like it's so much yeah so much i had to turn off i might take social media off my phone for the next few days because i was scrolling through twitter last night reading about the biden truck oh in texas god and (laughs) did you see the response from some texas republican no. Oh, that it was, this was being blown up out of proportion by the media oh, okay. to well. cover up the fact that three different Republican people had been um, executed what? by Democrats. <laughs> that, oh my God, let me see if I can. F- oh, my God. oh, for the love of Pete. That the woman who, the man and woman who stood on their lawn with the guns. Yeah. Um. There had been, like, an attempted murder and rape on them, maybe? Oh, for God's sake. Seriously? Let me find I don't remember their names. I did see a picture of a black couple who dressed up as them for Halloween. Oh, I saw so many. Jesus. I only saw one. Oh, my God. <sighs> okay. I think someone was collecting them. Okay. Um. Here it is. Okay. Three Trump supporters have been executed. One in Portland, one in Denver, and one in Milwaukee. A leftist mob attempt to storm the house of the McCloskeys McCloskeys threatened to burn down their house, their house down, rape uh, Mrs. McCloskey and kill them both. Where's your liberal corporation media concern about this real violence? Additionally, none of what your question implies is accurate, more fake news and propaganda. If there's ever a way to get me not listen to not listen to you faster, it's, it's just yep. it's the fake news hashtag. That will may immediately shut my brain off. Yep. Oh, then like, leftists and from Antifa and uh, Black Lives Matter who have been assaulting, robbing, and looting fellow citizens of their property. Okay. Yeah. Well. Ugh. And immediately I was like, who the fuck are the McCluskeys? And had to Google it. And oh, then yeah. found out that, like, they're, I guess, one. They Oh, they pled not guilty. Was like, right. of course they did. This is insane. Like, no right news is even reporting that like they there was a left mob. It's so bad right now. Yeah, yeah. Because then you've also got the president saying he loves Texas in response to the them surrounding the the Biden uh, campaign bus. I'm from St. Louis and can promise that the McCluskeys are fine. They have security and are so unbothered that they've been handing out these postcards. The one picture was left for a waitress as a tip. Did they give her money to nope. these motherfuckers? Yeah. I mean, the postcard with money is bad, but like, at least no give tip? money. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, the world. Okay. It's going to be a rough few days. Yes. This is why I'm getting drunk on Tuesday. Yes. Woo. I may also take Wednesday <laughs> off. 
I did and four years ago, not related to the election. It was just the fact that like there's usually a conference right now and my boss gets back in the office and I take a day off after being alone mm-hmm. in the office for a week. Mm-hmm. And it just happened to coincide with the day after the election. And part of me is like, I just think I might do it anyways. Yeah. Yeah. I'm also just like, I fall asleep very easily on the couch. Yeah. And then if I'm drinking, that can easily lull you to sleep. I'm wondering if it'll go that way or if it'll turn me into a ball of anxiety that's just wide awake watching the news all night. Yeah. Yeah, I no. definitely think the sleep aid will be out that night. Yeah. yeah. So... I also really liked, so there was a part in the book where he talked about, like, well, he talked at the beginning, I think, of it, about the dueling consciousness, Mm -hmm. um, the concept from, I think it was W.E.B. Dubois, Dubois, wait, Dubois, Dubois, yeah, Dubois, um, black people looking at themselves kind of through the eyes of others, wishing to both be, quote, like, the Negro and American, and that dual, dueling consciousness of how to be both of these things. Um, and then him later relating it to himself when he was in college and he wore the honey colored contacts that his friends called his orange eyes because he <laughs> went like a shade lighter. But then he also wore his hair in cornrows or twist twisted into locks. So the, the hair was kind of the anti-racist statement. But then the, the contacts were that that assimilation trying to be like the um, the right culture. Again, right is in air quotes. Yeah. Because I think that that. God, that damn dueling consciousness. That's that's real. Although I will say the colored contacts I got as a teenager were purple and they did shit to my eyes because my <laughs> eyes are so dark. <laughs> it just looked brown, I think, to most people. I love and that it. was because I really like purple. <laughs> no, that's, yeah. I never got colored contacts because uh, I my doctor was like, no matter what, they're going to be really bad for your eyes. Don't do it. Yeah. And uh, Yeah. And I do remember friends, though, who got the blue ones, and usually it was blue, some green, but mo- mostly blue. Yeah. And the, I do also remember I kept using the, oh, God, was it OptiFree, I think, was the brand of the contact solution. Yes. And then years later, I mentioned it, or I think they asked me at one of my eye appointments, uh, a new doctor asked me, oh, what do you use? And I told him, he was like, wait, do you wear colored contacts? And I was like, no, I used to as a teenager, but I that did not last because I also don't wear my clear ones that often anyway and he was like oh, okay because that's usually for colored contacts but they, they that can be very drying you want to try a different one <laughs> I was like well, and then shit. I tried the new one yeah I tried like I think it's biofree is what I use now and was like oh my god the difference <laughs> I wonder if that's why I have a struggle with contact you know what it's fine I'm not going to wear contacts it's fine yeah. <laughs> well don't use OptiFree if you ever try it seriously <laughs> oh, but yeah I appreciated him again yeah. Relating it to himself. I think that was in his chapter about colorism. Light versus dark. Yeah, I... <sighs> Part of me just wants to buy this book for a lot of people. And yeah. I know the cover's going to stop him from reading it, but this book is so relatable on so many levels. Hmm. The discussion take, of the doll. Take the cover off. That's true, I could. Yes. <laughs> buy the hardcover, take the cover off. Like, you should just read this. Yes. Sorry, you were saying the discussion of the... The, like, favoring lighter-skinned dolls and things like that. Mm-hmm. And and just, there's so much in here that I'm like... Yeah. 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 Have you read The Bluest Eye by Toni Morrison? No. I meant to go on a Toni Morrison binge, and I can't remember what line of the world stopped me. But... <laughs> <laughs> I remember reading that in high school, and it's about this little black girl who thinks she's ugly. She's dark-skinned. 
Uh, she really wants to be the epitome of beauty, which she thinks it is basically taught by society is Shirley Temple. She wants to be okay. white skin, blonde hair, blue eyes. That's her goal is right. to get that. Uh, there's way more to the story, but that sure. was like one of the biggest things where it was like she I should reread that. I haven't read that since high school, maybe college. I think I read it again in college, but I should read that again. Ugh. Yeah. Part of me is like, I maybe we should transition this into some kind of like political civil rights kind of thing, but that's going to require a lot of research, I think, for everything mm-hmm. that we read and also not give us necessarily the levity that we sometimes need. So, but something yeah. worth discussing, I guess. Could. Yeah. Or have like a. Every other sort, yeah, or like you know what we've done a few of these. Yeah. We're gonna read an Alyssa Cole book, or we're yeah. you know something yeah. lighter. Because um. his, I like the book list that he put together, and there's a lot on there that I'm like, yeah, I really want to read mm-hmm. and you know just dive deeper and stuff. And yeah, the bluest eye was on there. Yes, yes, it was. <laughs> there. Yeah. So. yeah, there's definitely because I just I also feel like a friend at work has talked about how. Since quarantine, she finds it very difficult to find the right words sometimes. Yes. Like she's, we're on the phones all the time and we have our meetings, but there's just something about not interacting with people as much as you used to where like your vocabulary is slipping. And that's Mm kind of how I feel sometimes about the things that I learned in college and could continue to learn like new things that I, you know, new things that came out after, after college. Um, no, I agree. So yeah, I would yeah. totally. We should. We, let's talk about that. Yeah, twenty twenty one is coming up. It's November. We gotta start talking about that. We do. <laughs> yeah. Because um, yeah, this book definitely made me think back to like when I had the purple contacts and like when I wanted my straight hair and yeah. um or my hair straightened and my mom was like no and I remember her argument of women pay hundreds of dollars to get their hair to look curly like yours but I wanted it straight because also <laughs> it it was and. It, it is easier to deal with when it is straight like yes. it fits under hats it fits under winter hats like it's better That's you know all incredibly valid yes right but just like thinking about that's you know really makes you reflect on yourself and like your privilege as i'm lighter yes. skinned like just yeah because like that's that subject also like the preferring the 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 light the light skin dolls but also like thinking someone is more was it knowledgeable or more likely to believe someone if they were yeah lighter skinned than dark skinned. Um, also, the yeah. discussion of the cast call for um, what is the Compton movie? Straight out of Compton, oh. where it's um, the different level of black women mm-hmm. and comparing and the different levels of like and why like we want this colored skin for this reason, and it just gets worse and worse as you go on. Right. Yeah. The descriptors, yeah. Yeah. It's. <sighs> I will say I also felt kind of. Um... It's like a lot of this is stuff that I know, mm-hmm. but it's really fleshed out. And there's a lot like there's other things that I like didn't or didn't know or forgot about. Because, again, I forgot about all of the things that went into that 2000 election, presidential election. Right. But I was feeling kind of like, there's no hope. How do we fix this? <laughs> like, yeah. Because it's. Like it, it's it's a lot. It is a lot. Um, that being said, I think he does a good job of being like, you got to start with you. Yes. And and he even talks about like activism that failed for him, 
and, yes. and things like that. Like you, you have to start small. Yes. Like it's so like, the Genesis, six, I forgot about them. The like, yeah, I did too. Uh, 2006 white students hung nooses on the white tree because the black kids sat there and, but it was a prank, you know, it's just kids have play, just doing a, oh. just playing a prank. Then a few months later, black students beat up a white kid and the six of them were arrested. One charged as a juvenile and the others charged for attempted murder and the prosecutor wanting to seek the maximum, which I think was, they, he said it was like a hundred years in prison each. Um, his big plan to mobilize students at different uh, colleges, you know, fundraise for the legal defenses. Yes. And then, but then caravan to DC to DC yes. um, to get them to lean on the governor in Louisiana to drop the charges and the crowd being like, oh, well, caravan, like, if we're blocking trap, like, isn't that illegal? Like, won't we get in trouble? We could go to jail. And he's just like, yeah, we go to jail. Yeah, that could happen. And he's not addressing their fear, which was a normal response to it. And he was just very sticking very much to his guns about we need to do this. We need to do this. And not really not having a dialogue, not having a conversation mm-hmm. about it and validating their fear and recognizing that it was normal and just feeling his his plan got voted down and he left feeling very defeated um and like i don't know but now he recognizes kind of where he went wrong yes that that like yes his intentions were good like the goal was to free the gen six that's a great intention right um but if that let's say god knock on wood that if that happened now he wouldn't have that same response right you know right yeah i just I agree. There are days and hours and minutes where I'm like, where do we go from here? Yeah. And as we get closer to Tuesday, that's going to get rough and rough. Um, yeah. And then add in his last chapter where it's yeah. like, here are all the things that we're dealing with politically, civil rights, just trying to make the world a better place. And not one but three people in his life get cancer in a short period of time. One of which being him. Yeah. Like he started and he was like, I was losing weight and I'd have to yep. pee. And I was like, go to a doctor. Right. Like, Bloody diarrhea. Oh no, you got to go. Yeah. Because his wife had breast cancer. She told him about the lump and he was like, you got to get checked out. Now I know breast cancer is, it's like. It, people are told about it like they know what to look for essentially if they right. know a lump means you got to go get checked that's like the automatic like got to go get checked to the doctor got to go to the doctor and that's when he started viewing racism as a cancer like in that lens yes. and then his battle like when i saw the stage four colon cancer i used to handle disability claims i was like oh my god how old is he like i knew yeah. that he was around like a little older than me but i was like I, that's when i had to check his age because that's not something you usually see in someone so young agreed yeah um, but yes, the, I know the weight loss and the this and the that. It's not as it's not as in your face as a lump in the breast. But yeah, go to the doctor. Like, go right away. Part of me was like, there's something wrong with your kidneys. Or actually, my first thought was, how did you get childhood diabetes as an adult? Like that, because mm. that's what it sounded like to me. Was like weight loss, the yeah. weight loss, having to pee constantly, but really not much yeah. is coming out. Like that's where my mind went first, and then he was like yeah. colon cancer. And I was like, oh yeah, that does sound like colon cancer. Shit. I actually, I re- forgot. I remember my stepmom. My stepmom's a type one diabetic, and her talking about she wasn't. She didn't. It came in her twenties, like, and oh. it was those symptoms in her twenties, and she was tired all the time. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I yeah. forgot about that. 
Um, but I did like how he kind of he uh, he's looking he can't not because of his life experiences right. now he can't not see racism as a cancer through that lens but i thought that that was a great analogy a great way to be like the chemo the immunotherapies that's the anti-racist policies that we need to put into place how tumors are surgically removed that's we need to remove the remaining yes. racist policies like he like it was such a great comparison like it was such an easy way to understand the steps that it doesn't feel as overwhelming right to me because i was definitely overwhelmed during the, reading the book um and then he does talk about like he admits at the very end that there's nothing what does he say i think i read it like three times let me find it oh while you're looking for that it the discussion of how racism is only 600 years old which I don't yes. necessarily agree with that because I feel like racism was also a part of the Bible, but I get where he's coming from. But the, it's still yeah. early enough that we can change it. And I was like, I appreciate that. Yeah. Back to that. That history lesson of Prince Henry the Navigator um, being like the first one to start exclusively um, kidnapping the people of Africa in mm-hmm. the slave trade. Where before they were using, they were grabbing anyone and everyone they could. Right. I didn't know about that. No, I didn't either. Yeah, that's a good little history lesson. Yeah. I also like the discussion of the fact that, like, now people are like, it's, you know, you were selling off your own people. And it's like, no, that's, there's like 50 different countries in Africa. Like, no. And how many tribes or uh, civilizations or cultures or whatever. Like, it's not all the same people. Right. It wasn't right, but yeah. that's not how they saw it. Like, right. did you watch the, the show Ugly Delicious by any chance on no. Netflix? So David Chang is a chef who I also want to be friends with. Like, yes. Samin. No, sorry. Like, I think she must have. I feel like she mentioned him in something because I, when it popped up on my list, I was like, I know that name and it has to be because of her because I don't know how else I would know it. So we've been watching it. And one of the things he talks about is how when people refer to Chinese food, they just a lot of Americans are just thinking one thing mm-hmm. when if you go to china there it's oh it's there's yes. many yes. <laughs> to say the least like there's many different types so to me it was sort of like that in like people say africa and i think they're just forgetting that it's an entire it's a huge landmass yes with different tribes different 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 country like it's broken down much differently so or much uh, it's broken down yeah i could say like it's not it's not all one people (laughs) right it's not all one people (laughs) yeah it's just okay i found it cool he's he says there's nothing i see in our world today in our history giving me hope that one day anti-racists will win the fight that one day the flag of anti-racism will fly over a world of equity and i was like wait a minute did he write this i read that sentence three times before moving on to the next one which is where he explains what does give him hope yeah (laughs) And it's that once we lose hope, we're guaranteed to lose. But if we ignore the odds and fight to create an anti-racist world, then we give humanity a chance to one day survive, a chance to live in communion, a chance to be forever free. And I was like, okay. I felt that that was another very realistic, very honest statement or statements. Um, Much like him being very honest about uh, mistakes he's made in the past, beliefs that he used to have in the past. The fact that looking at this world is not like looking at our history, looking at the current situation is not what gives him hope, but that he's finding a hope in another way. It's just his. Yeah, I like that a lot. Keep focusing on the kids. That's what we got to do. Yeah. Yeah. 
and remembering intersectionality. Yes. Yes, I'm very, very glad he brought up very sexuality important. and gender, and especially, you know, yes. that white women need to sit down and shut the fuck up. <laughs> I like that he did with the gender racism. I remember one of my women's studies classes, we read this book that focused on Angela Davis, Asada Shakur, and I'm blanking on the third person's name, and that's terrible. I'm going to look really quick because I think I know what it is, but I don't want to say it if it's wrong. <laughs> uh, I just don't remember the name of the book. Yeah, Elaine Brown. They were all involved in the Black Panther Party. And just one of the things we talked about in class was them making the decision to basically not talk about the sexism that was happening in the party, like cool. having to make that uh try i want to say uh, i'd have to look at it but i feel like asada shakur and angela davis left the party understandably that may have been part of why but like i again don't like quote me on this yeah, I'm yeah. trying to pull from like god 15 years ago <laughs> but um like that uh the sort of having to choose between their gender or their race mm-hmm. in which like not wanting to kind of discredit the movement somehow by bringing that up so i did like that he talked about like the moynihan report and how what came out of that was like the broken back black family and how yes the black men are emasculated by discrimination and also the matriarchal black women and you know fucking bullshit all <laughs> so, of its bullshit so much yes. bullshit but that kind of lead after that it kind of became a struggle um like against white men black power over black women which was i thought very interesting and honest to talk about and then him kind of relating it back to personal story his parents and their wedding vows and how yes. they're meeting with the uh, the the pastor to talk about the vows and he's like oh and then this is the part where you'll say you blah 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 and obey him and she's like what i'm not obeying him and his dad actually being surprised that yeah. she didn't want to say that <laughs> But, and I love that her response is the only man that I obeyed was my father. You are not him and I'm not a child. Like, yeah. no. Yeah. Everything about that is exactly what we need to take away and remember. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not to bring up Twitter okay. again, but apparently <laughs> I don't know if it was yesterday or two days ago where a guy was like, men, please don't forget to make sure your wife vote exactly like you do or something. Because yeah. like, I don't what the think. fuck? <laughs> oh. But then I also saw also on Twitter a picture of uh, two signs on a lawn, one for Biden, one for Trump. And they put a sign that said his over Trump and a sign that said hers over Biden. And I was just and like, I don't know how you stay married, but no, this is not cute. Like, yeah. <laughs> this is not like these are morals that we're talking about here. There's yeah. no way that I would stay married to someone who wants to support a racist misogyny like just complete piece monster like he is today's hitler like come on there was a there's someone very close to me who voted for trump and his wife voted for clinton and Mm -hmm. i thought it would in their marriage potentially like it it got bad for a little while i don't know if he Mm -hmm. like it may not have been as bad as i thought but from what he said, I think it did. And I do wonder, because he's also someone, he wanted to eat at Chick-fil-A. And it's like, I don't understand how these different <laughs> live in you. Like, what? And, and he wanted Chick-fil-A for the reasons of, you know, the fact that they 
the the CEO or whatever donates money to anti um, queer organizations. And so I'm like, mm-hmm. but you voted for Trump, right? What? Yeah. So I I like. I would normally ask, <laughs> like, what's going on in your household? Yeah. And I wish I'd gotten closer to his wife so that I could be like, spill the tea. But right. also, I'm like, I don't know if I can handle knowing if he votes for Trump again. Mm. Like, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It was so good to vote. I didn't get to vote in 2016. It was so good to vote. Yeah. And now it's also so good to see that mine is showing yes. up as being like, because Rhode Island has the tracker and I can see that it's accepted. Yes. So now I really feel like I voted. Because the other thing that, uh, um, hold on. Speaking of, now I'm going to look my mother's face yeah. to that. <laughs> I didn't know until I moved here that the official name for Rhode Island were the oh, state of Rhode yes. Island and Providence Plantations. I didn't know that. It's so it also felt good. the longest name. Right. And why we need to have the word fucking plantations in it, I don't know. That too. So, we did have that question on the ballot to um, approve to to remove it. So, it also felt good to vote for that. Although, I want to say that that was up, I don't know how recently, but I want to say that this came up before. And, what, and obviously stayed. But I could be wrong. So, here's hoping that I get some of that good news yeah. after tuesday i really do think that the only way you can track yours in my state is by um if you voted absentee or mailed in i'm gonna text let's see okay so any last thoughts go read this book even if it sounds Mm -hmm. like it's going to be difficult find some spoons and give this book a shot yeah if it's helpful to alternate between audio and actual text, you could do that. Or if you just think audio would be good, do that. Yeah. Um, I think this is definitely something I'm going to reread. Definitely. It's, sure. it's, I'm going to find a physical copy of it. I don't know if I mentioned this. I know I told you before. But uh, if you do get the audiobook, it is read by the author. And it is a great listen to because he – I feel like most audiobooks, especially um, memoirs and essays, are very um, – not monotone but very even keel and this guy is so passionate about this stuff and i loved mm. it so much like at one point i was like you are yelling at me and i'm okay with this <laughs> like yes the passion is so great you can also go listen to jamila jamil's podcast i weigh because he's a guest <laughs> on it from if i could find the date october 9th That's so recent. you can also hear him there yeah excuse me yeah that's so cool. I'm so, going to have to go listen to that. Yes. But yeah, totally agree. It's definitely a must read. And I'm definitely going to be taking a look at that uh, recommended reading list that they that yes. he's put together. Yes. So I think that'll be good continued learning. Right. Because we all have learning. All of us. There's always learning and room for improvement for everyone. And I think that he really demonstrates that by getting real personal with his. Yeah. Um, while you're also kind of reflecting on your personal history, too. Yeah, I think reflecting and realizing where you have come up short and acknowledging mm-hmm. that and don't. I mean, there may be some things to be embarrassed about, but don't 
shy away from it, I think is super mm-hmm. important. Right. Right. Because it's kind of like when you're apologizing to someone, if you if you give up that I'm sorry if you were hurt, you're not taking yes. responsibility or I'm sorry that I hurt you. It's kind of like that where you're just taking responsibility. Yes. And now you're going to learn from it and do work to do better now and going forward. Yes. So that's all it is because that's all anyone can do. It is hard work, but it's work that needs to be done by everyone. All right. So before we get into what we're reading next for the podcast, do you know what you're going to read next that's not for JBC? Okay. I'm going to do it. (laughs) I'm going to finish Addie LaRue. God damn it. (laughs) I am also going to. So um, my roommate and I just watched the first season of His Dark Materials on HBO. If you haven't watched it, it is fucking fantastic and you as a james mcavoy fan uh (laughs) should definitely check it out yes i should um (laughs) it's eight episodes it's great manuel miranda with a mustache is just so wonderful um really like the direction that they're heading with that i've only read the golden compass so i am going to read the subtle knife which is book two before they release season two so that i have a general idea of everything that kind of happens over the three books um but my roommate hasn't read it in years and um, just to be kind of like, okay, what's going on? And I can at least have something to grasp at. So they do a great job. I'm just so curious how much they're staying close with the source material while also updating it quite a bit. Nice. What about you? All right. uh, let's see. I'm going to go with another previous book of the month. Um, it's Cast. The Origins of Our Discontents by Isabel Wickerson. Um, kind of staying in line of educating myself. Um, let's see. I, when did I get this? Oh, God. I think I got this. I think I got this when I got A Woman Is No Man. <laughs> I think that was the month that I <laughs> doubled up. Um, yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. I want to say that it was August book of the month because I definitely have it. And I definitely haven't read it. And I definitely yeah. packed it. Okay. Yeah, I I think August sounds right. So better late than never. I'm going to keep the streak going. Um, It's about uh, basically she talks about how America today and throughout its history has been shaped by hidden caste system, a rigid hierarchy of human rankings. Um, But she definitely links them to the caste systems. Like she talks about America, India, Nazi Germany. Like she goes all over is my understanding. So I feel like this is going to help me with my I don't really know history or don't have a great grasp on history. Let's change that. I've heard um, nothing but good things and that Mm. it's actually really easy to digest, which I'm really excited about. Good. Because it is a thicker one. Yes. (laughs) And then next time for the podcast, good Lord, another book of the month. (laughs) I know. At some point, I feel like I should just poke them and be like, can you just sponsor us? Like, hey, y'all. But really, so back in June or July, um, they posted that they were making a pledge to diversify their books more. And there is still some discussion going on on whether that's actually started because we don't Mm -hmm. know how many months in advance they plan out their books, uh, especially Mm -hmm. given COVID this year and things like that. Um, But apparently they're going to make more of an effort. Um, I think because of book of the month, I've bought a book by a, an author of color every month for the six months mm-hmm. that I've been part of it. So, so I mean, like <laughs> it's helping me diversify my books and, and it's not just books like cast or how to be anti-racist. Like 
um, I think you said the book that you got this month is essentially like a, a, a like what would be classified awesome. as like a women's thriller kind of book, and I'm fucking fascinated. Yeah, I am excited for that. Um, it's I think it was called Pretty Little Wives. Basically, you know from the beginning that this wife killed her husband and made it made it look like a suicide, but before she can dump the body or whatever she's gonna do or have them come because it's a suicide or a suicide in air quotes, the body disappears. So it's a question of, did he die? What happened? So I'm like, yeah, from that description, I want to know what happened. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Last so, yeah, month I got it. one that just sounded absolutely fascinating and didn't realize it's like by a queer author of color. And I was like, that's so fucking cool. So which one was that? Um, <gasps> shit. Let me open my oh, book. Was, month. It, was it leave the world behind? Yes. Yeah. Which sounded so it was it it hit me in this like sense of like, is the world really going to end or not? Kind of like vibe of like um, another book that I read last year. And then it was like so I added it to my book and then I found out that it was an author of color and a queer author. And to me, that in some ways feels like a win because that is where my fear comes from, is that like. People who are like, I want to diversify my reading, take that as I'm going to continue reading the books that I like, the fiction and things like that by white authors and Mm -hmm. focus on adding people or authors of color and the standpoint of teaching them. And I I find that problematic. Mm. So Mm -hmm. if you're going to, you know, diversify your reading please make sure that you are buying books that aren't just trying to make a statement yeah, or trying to teach you something like buy fiction books that are meant to entertain without teaching you something. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Agreed. So our next book that we both also got from book of the month is Memorial by Brian Washington. Very, very excited for this. Loved when we did Lot, his short, sto- his collection of short stories. Really excited. This one is a novel, a fiction about, um, I think it's a young, or an, I don't know if they're a young couple, but they've, I think it's one of those ones where they've been together for a while, not really sure why they're still together type of thing. And then, let me see from the summary. Mike's mom comes to visit, but his estranged dad is dying in Japan, so he goes there to to help him and then Benson is basically with Mike's mom and they kind of strike up uh, kind of an unconventional roommate situation while Mike is gone Um, I'm very excited I'm very excited yeah and there seems to be a lot of hype about this book too so I am really excited the only the big backdrop I guess quote unquote that I'm seeing is that apparently he doesn't use quotation marks so just I guess be ready for that oh boy Um, okay I need that that warning. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> um, which for me is not a big deal. Like I, there's several authors. I also feel like his short stories also did that. So maybe I was like, eh, not a big mm. deal. So yeah. yeah, very excited to read another Brian Washington yeah. book. I should actually check my like thing to see if it shipped. It had to have shipped. Yeah. If I put mine in front, it definitely told me it shipped. Um, Yeah. I, they're pretty great. I, we are not sponsored by a book of the month. Right. At all. Um, but Book of the Month is one of the oldest book club or book like subscription things in the country. Like it's been going on since the 1920s. It revamped in 2015. Um, and it's just been an easy way of like, I spend 30, 
because I the the credits fifteen and then it's, I spend twenty one because mm-hmm. I I always get three books, um, so that's thirty four bucks. One hardback book is typically thirty dollars, not including tax. Yeah. You know, there's people that are like, oh, for this much money, I could buy six more books. And you know what? You're right. I live right next to a secondhand bookstore, and I buy eleven books for the price that I get for these. But you know what? I like getting newer books and and mm-hmm. not having to wait. So. And yeah. the cost of ebooks are going up and it's driving me nuts. Yeah. I kind of, I wondered if that was going to happen because of COVID, if people not really being able to or being comfortable with going out to the bookstore yes. and like perusing the shelves, if that was going to happen. So uh. I go and I, it is one of the few places that I feel like everybody always has a mask on Yeah, and is wearing it right. Good. Yeah. Because so. that's also important. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. The grocery store is not so much, but the bookstore, sure. Yeah. Oh, God, or the woman at Target coughing up a storm with her thing around her neck. I was like, I'm staying the fuck away from you. Anyway, so yeah, join us in two, two weeks for Memorial. Yeah. Uh, mine has not shipped, but it should, it'll probably ship tomorrow. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. This will be here before the end of the week. Absolutely. And then in the meantime, you can find us at JBC on Instagram, um, Facebook, all the social media. And then also, don't forget, we are members of the Certain Point of View Network. And you can head on over to certain point of, or certainpov.com to find more nerdy podcasts, each with a unique point of view. And then you can also find a link there to join our Discord and have a chat. Yeah. So join us in two weeks. And in the meantime... Also, keep supporting your local libraries as you can, as well as independent bookstores, particularly those owned by people of color. Christmas is coming up. This will be a good Christmas gift. Absolutely. (laughs) I think think there's probably ways to give Book of the Month Club things to Oh, there is that, too. I was thinking (laughs) how to be anti-racist. But yes, Book of the Month, too. Oh, yes. yes. Specifically, yes. Give this book out. It's not quite a stocking stuffer, but definitely, definitely a good one. CPOV CertainPOV.com